as promised. Hall of Famer, six-time Stanley Cup champion, now ESPN hockey analyst, ambassador, does it all. It's the man. Mess, don't you, don't you remember when we played and um, we had all this spare time? A lot of spare time? <laughs> more, <laughs> more than what you have now, I bet. I found that the more spare time I had, the more trouble I got into. <laughs> and how's the gig on ESPN? Oh, I'm loving it. Uh, actually loving it. I, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but uh, everybody at ESPN has been so so uh, gracious with their time and helping us out and turning us into uh, seasoned pros. So, uh, so far, it's been great, Kipper. And... Uh... Uh, you watching more games than ever. I know you've always watched games, but what is the difference now uh, for you in terms of, you know, how you prep or the things that you want to say or cover when you watch now? Well, you know, it's funny is, uh, you know, when I retired, I thought I was going to get away from hockey uh, and, and I didn't. Uh, I just, you know, always loved watching hockey. Um you know, I watch hockey seven days a week during the regular season, of course, all the playoffs. So, you know, I, I never really did get away from it. Of course, with the Mark Messier Leadership Award, I had to kind of stay involved and figure and, and know what was going on in the league. But I like to watch the hockey just as a fan. Uh, now I get to watch it as a fan, but I also kind of get to dig a little deeper and, you know, from a technical standpoint, obviously, you, you got to be up to speed on what's going on in the league and the players and challenges or you know, the great things that they're doing. So, um, I, I, to be honest with you, the Kipper, it's, it's nothing's really changed, but now I get to talk about it instead of around the kitchen table with my family and my dad and my brother, I'm, I'm doing it up behind a desk in front of all the fans. Yeah, that's awesome. How do you think that the, uh, the coverage has changed? Like from when you were playing and, and the way the media covered you guys, I feel like there used to be more of a relationship with reporters and the people covering you. Um, how do you feel that the media coverage has changed uh, in, in the years since you stopped playing? Well, there's just more, more of it. There's, there's more the vehicles, there's more, uh, you know, ways to cover the individuals, the players, social media, uh, you know, networks. Uh, of course, I think you still, the team still have the beat writers that travel with the team and, and are on a day-to-day basis. But, uh, I just think there's more of it, uh, which to me is is a good thing. You know, it puts shines more light on the great sport that it is. Shines more light on the great players that we have and the great things we're doing on and off the ice. So, yeah, it, it you know it, it it can be a you know sometimes maybe a burden. I, I don't look at it ever as a burden. I look at it as, as an opportunity to grow the game and and to really uh, really expose the great things that are happening on and off the ice uh, with their with our players. Um. Mess, one of the hottest topics right now is uh, officiating uh, when it comes to uh, star players. Of course, we're talking Connor McDavid. And uh, I know one of your colleagues, John Tortorella, you know, I th- what what's lost in Tortorella is the word shut up. I mean, everybody's focusing on shut up, but I think it's just, it's the story around it. And I think what John was trying to say is, and, and the way I see it is, you know, what's, What's what's different from generation to generation when we're talking about Mario or Gretz or all the great players that had to kind of endure, you know, at times this type of, uh, you know, 
pressure off of your opponents. And I, I know you are, you're not in that mix because you would have just turned around and knocked somebody's teeth out before they ever came near you. <laughs> but for the, some of these guys, what is the difference now in 2021 for Connor to battle through this? Well, I think the things of your, you, you, you said it right. Uh, um, the, the star players are going to get a lot of attention. You know, McDavid has the puck probably more than anybody in the league when he's, when he, when he plays uh, or, you know, the percentage of the puck is on a stick more than any other player. So he is going to get a lot of attention. Um, you know, I, you know, I think that uh, I, I have a hard time getting after the officiating. We, we, we got such a tough game to referee. Of course, they're going to miss some calls at times here and there. Uh uh, but for the most part, they do a great job. Uh, I, I think you know Connor's done a pretty good job of just of just playing the game. I, I think John's words might have got taken out of context a little bit. I think what he might have been trying to say is that you know just uh, let the referees referee and you play the game, uh, which Connor's done a great job of. And look at there's on the other side of it, there is a lot, little bit of gamemanship that has to go on with coaches and players in order to make sure the referees are paying attention and not kind of lean one way or the other there. So uh, a little bit of gamesmanship, a little bit of sportsmanship, a little bit of, uh, of, uh, you know, getting on the referees never hurts. And it's all part of, uh, all part of trying to get the upper edge uh, on any team or any opponent. Do you ever grind the refs when you were playing? Like uh, how was your relationship with referees in terms of working them for calls? I wanted to be always on the good side of refs. I would make sure I asked the referee uh, doing the game that night uh, how he was, how his family was, yeah. uh, what, where he went for dinner last night, <laughs> feeling good, feeling healthy and all that. And then when the game started, it all went to hell in a handbasket. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes that's what you got to do. That's good. At least you started on the right side of guys. Well, we started, you got to start on the right foot. If you start on the wrong foot, you have no chance. At least if you start on the right foot, you got a half a chance. <laughs> you know, Mess, uh, uh, we had uh, Tim Peel on our show. Of course, he's recently retired, and uh, a big story was his comments that were picked up in his last game as an NHL official. And on our show, you know, he, he said, in a, I want to quote, uh, you hear fans go, just call the rule book. And he says, well, that's not realistic, let's be honest. And I can't tell you what a, what a trail that caused in, in social media. Is the game harder today to to officiate than it was even you know 10 10 years ago well look at i i think i think i i didn't hear the comments so i can't really speak to it but i think what i'm hearing uh tim say is that every game does take on a different connotation there's there's different storylines leading into the game uh you look at the first game of the year this year with the Washington and New York Rangers and the carryover from last year that brought on a lot of different connotations into that game that the referee had to be aware of uh every team uh has different kinds of players there's agitators there's instigators on every team uh there's there's history on every game and so a referee there's a lot to be aware of uh there's a lot to talk about and of course you sure you can say let's just uh, call the game but I think if we ever got to that point, it would sterilize the game to the point where it, it wouldn't be as good. I, and I think the referees uh, will allow the players to play as much as they can within the rules, obviously. Uh, we have changed some rules uh, to the benefit of the game, in my opinion, to take the hooking and holding and things away from the game that uh, 
you know, we're taking the speed and the skill out of our game. So I think that was good change. But the referee still has to have a feel for the game. He still has to have a feel for the athlete. He still has to have, to have a, you know, the patience when this, when the, the temperatures rise and the players are heated and and things are said and um, all in the scope of the game. So I think there's a real balance there that has to happen uh, in order to really kind of uh, get the the most out of the game for the fan perspective and for the players that uh, can, you know, can kind of, you know, anticipate what kind of uh, referee the game's going to call and and uh, things like that. So overall, I, I I'm kind of in agreement with Tim, but um, I didn't hear his comment, so I can't say a thousand percent. How much did you change your game based on who was refing the game? You know, sometimes it's like, all right, it's one of these guys. It's going to be a war out there because this guy's not calling anything. Did you make a conscious effort or sort of change going into a game based on who the ref was? Well, it's a little bit like an umpire in baseball for a pitcher, you know, and that if he's getting strikes on the outside of the plate, he's going to paint that outside of the plate all, yeah, yeah. all or the outside of the plate all game long because he's getting those strike calls. Same thing with referee. If he comes out there and and calls a couple penalties early that, uh, you know, whether it's trick, stick infractions or whatever they may be, you know, that he's there going to call a tighter game. So no question. There's a little bit of that that's involved. And, uh, and of course, you know, you get to know some referees uh, a little bit more than others sometimes if they're doing your conference and things like that. And uh, so, you know, I think it's, uh, there is, there is a little bit of, uh, of what you, you just talked about. Yep. Mark, we've got uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the New York Rangers uh, tonight. Uh, both teams come in banking a lot of points in the last week and a half, two weeks. Uh, just your thoughts on maybe the New York Rangers and, you know, even Chris Drury comes in a little inexperienced uh, and, and maybe the pressure on him now uh, to deliver. And, you know, how long will it take the New York Rangers to truly contend? Well, I, I picked them to win the division this year, and, of course, that was a dark horse, uh, sentimental pick, but um, they do have some skill there. You know, they got a Norris Trophy winner. they got a goalie that looks like he's emerging to be one of the best in the league. Uh, they got some scoring. Uh, they've added some uh, grit, some character, some experience. So, you know, I, I expect them to make the playoffs this year, to be honest with you. I expect them to contend for the division lead. Um, you know, they're young. Um, you know, they make mistakes, but uh, they can score. And if you can score during the regular season there, it really gives you an opportunity to win some games and, and position yourself. And um, so, you know, I, I like the way they're trending. Um, so we'll have to wait and see if they can pull, pull it all together. Mess, the, the bet that Kyle Dubas has made with the Toronto Maple Leafs team, the Rangers are going to see tonight. In the past, I think most people have just said it was about talent. They went speed and skill and just believed that they could skill their way through and uh, that the game had changed enough that the, the talent would prove to be the thing that puts them past. Then they get in playoffs and they get up against teams that maybe are a little more physical and they've hit a wall year after year after year here. How much do you think the game has changed? Like, do you think that that physical element is is has been underestimated, maybe by the the teams that have been built in Toronto? Maybe uh, I don't know. I just know the teams that we played on. We could win in the streets, or we could win in the alleys. And we never got pushed out of games in Edmonton, and we certainly didn't get pushed out of any game in New York with the teams we had here. So, from my experience, I think you need a healthy balance uh, of uh, of that scoring, of that skill, of that grit, determination, character, experience, all the things that we all always talk about. Um, so, you know, that's just from the experiences that I've had on the teams that I that I was fortunate enough to win with. 
And uh, I don't think the game's changed that much. Uh, you need big, strong players, uh, you know, to get through the regular season. And of course, when you get into playoffs, playing every other night for two months, uh, you know, some big, strong teams have been the, the, the winners of the Stanley Cup, starting with St. Louis and Washington, and and you can go on and on from there. But um, so I'm uh, I'm a big believer in it for sure. Obviously, a uh, healthy mix is is. The game hasn't changed to the point where skill is going to get you uh, to the promised land only, in my opinion. You know, Mark, when you talk about a certain type of player uh, that we think that we're, we're all talking about, they're, they're hard to find, and they're a lot harder in 2021 than it was in, in 2010. Can you get a guy, and the Leafs signed a guy, Nick Ritchie, at $2.5 million for two years, I thought we were going to go the whole show, by the way, of not mentioning Nick Ritchie. <laughs> so keep the drinking game continuing, whoever's out there. But my, my, my point isn't about just necessarily Nick Ritchie, but how do you, can you develop a guy into that type of role or is it just within, it's who you are, if you are that type of player or you're not, and end of story. But in today, can you, can you prod a guy? Well, I always look at uh, the example of the Detroit Red Wings when they were having their run and they had the, the you know all the skill up front, and then they, you know, they brought in Shanahan, they had McCarty, they had Joey Kosher, they had a few defensemen that were pretty big and strong, and and then of course you had Chris Draper who was a 50 goal scorer or 40 goal scorer in juniors and scored a lot in the uh, American Hockey League, and of course came up there and was a checker and a two-way solid player that uh, was instrumental in their cup run, so. You know, you got to get guys that uh, are like uh, the Draper, like the Maltby, like uh, McCarty. Uh, you know, those guys are you know skilled, but they're also gritty. And um, and sometimes if you have scored in the past at the junior level at the American Hockey League, you know, it's, there's sometimes there's just guys that can do it better than you at the National Hockey League. But that doesn't mean that you can't figure out a way to contribute to a Stanley Cup winning team like Draper did. I mean, he's a perfect example of a guy that had an offensive touch uh, that couldn't quite play that role at the National Hockey League, but, you know, became a checker, penalty killer, two-way player. And then when he did get the opportunity, he knew knew what to do with it. So he, he was instrumental in the in those cup teams. And those are the kinds of players that you got to fill your roster out with. And certainly in the, in the, in the bottom six in order to, you know, give you that grit and character and, and uh, experience, but also, you know, be able to, uh, you know, you know, score some goals to help balance the uh, secondary scoring out. Mark, last one for me. I, I just am wondering with the Mark Messier leadership award out there and, you know, your reputation as a leader, how often you did things as a player that w- where you were, cognizant of the leading where you were intentionally being you know, Kipper tell stories about, you know, you guys lose a game and you still saying, you know what, we got to blow it off. We got to go out or the opposite <laughs> where Kipper's like, we won, let's go out. And you're like, no, 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 that's not how we play when we go out. How often were you actually like, okay, I need to do the right things for the boys. Or were you just being yourself? And that was, uh, you know, perceived as, as the way you led. Well, it's, it's a 24 seven, uh, you know, it's eight month, nine month, uh, hopefully a job uh, to lead a team and, uh, you're never turned off. Uh, you're at home laying in bed thinking about what, how you can fix something or help somebody or do something different. Uh, you know, by the end of the season, I was completely exhausted because unfortunately as a leader, you can't just worry about yourself and play your own game. You're living 30 lives, uh, you know, 25 uh, plus trainers and coaches and managers. You're living, living 
you know, everybody's life uh, and involved in everybody's life in order to hopefully, you know, maximize their potential or help them with their confidence or make sure they're feeling good about their role or whatever the case may be. It's uh, you're never off. You're always calculated. You're always feeling the energy. You're always, you know, thinking about how we can do something better or different there. So it's a full-time job, but uh, I loved every minute of it. Uh, wouldn't change it for anything, and uh, got to play with great guys like Nick Kiprios and share a Stanley Cup together. And and, oh, uh, and and we'll we'll never uh, we'll we'll never forget it. I'd be uh, I'd be pissed at myself if I didn't mention that uh, you are also added author. Uh, no one wins alone. Simon and Schuster available this holiday season. A great gift. How was that experience writing the book, Mark? It, it was amazing, uh, Kipper. Uh, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was uh, hard. Uh, it uh, it was, but I really gratifying. I'm really proud of the book. Uh, I, I wanted to do something, you know, centered around leadership and teamwork and inspiration and gratitude. That uh, all the things that we know come into play when you're a player playing on a team sport. So. And all through the lens of, of my career. So I think, uh, you know, j- meeting Jimmy Roberts and sitting beside him for a good year and a half was an amazing experience. Simon Schuster did an amazing job. And overall, I'm really proud of it. And uh, thank you, Canada, for for uh, putting us up in the uh, bestseller list. It's awesome. Awesome. Congratulations on that, Mess. We really appreciate your time. And uh, we'll be calling you again. Yeah, stay Let ready. You know. Happy to happy to jump on. Now that I'm in the uh, now I'm in the arena with the uh, analytics. <laughs> Six time Stanley Cup champion Mark Messier on the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. Thanks for doing this, Mess. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right, Mark Messier, and the book is called "No One Wins Alone." Also, a Simon and Schuster book. Undrafted by yeah, me. So go you, get undrafted. I've read can, that; it's wonderful. You can go and and Amazon. .ca or Indigo, and you can buy both of them. And if you do, uh, Justin Bourne will uh, sign an autographed picture for you, but you got to write him here at Sportsnet, and he'll do that for you. Is that okay? Yeah, no, you nailed it, man. That sounds good. He is, every time, like, there wasn't a time that, uh, you know, I I didn't learn something from him or I didn't absorb. You got to, to really understand Mark Messier, you got to, you got to be a sponge, man. You just got to just listen. Yeah. Just shut up and listen. You know, what's funny about guys like him. Um, so I'm, I'm in Kelowna, BC before one of the Olympics, I guess, uh, then whatever year Steve Eiserman was there. So I, I go to the okay corral, uh, you know, we're out having drinks at one in the morning or midnight or something. And Steve Eiserman and team Canada, a bunch of those guys are in the bar and Eiserman's having beers. And I went up to him and I was like, you having drinks, you know, team Canada practices tomorrow. You having drinks the night before practice. And he said, He's like, well, you know, Justin, you know, moderation and everything, and it's important for camaraderie. He, like, gave me this leadership lecture, um, and I was like, oh, my God, this guy is never turns it off. Like, he was still – yeah, I think he had, like, a beer or two, but was just holding one, just to, like, be with the guys. And, like, he was a leader. He was he was cognizant of why he was there, and he was leading, even though he was at the damn OK Corral in Kelowna, B.C. before the Olympics. That's mess to me talking about, yeah. like, leadership is 24-7. You're thinking about that stuff even when it involves going out and being with the, with the guys. And – I think the world of him, I, I think of the world of Wayne Gretzky, I, I think they're wasting their time on TV. What do you mean? Oh, you think they were doing, what, running a team? Yeah, or? exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. they're not wasting our time. I was going right? I thought that was wonderful. No, they're not wasting <laughs> our time. Yeah.
But those those minds, they're, they're pure hockey minds, mm. winning, uh, that come along with the morals and the values and the scruples. And it should be passed on, you know, just not not just for the, the viewer at home, but the, the next guy's taking the torch. But you know what? This is a way to disseminate it to more people. Instead of just the 30 people in one room, we all get a piece. Run a team and do TV <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Well, it's probably but doable. I just don't understand it. I don't understand why they aren't, Did you know, and this to? is just me. Do they and, want and, to? Am I, I biased? Wanna... Am I biased? Yes, but he, he should be with the New York Rangers or the Edmonton Oilers yeah. in some capacity. And Gretz, Gretz was there. He was up until he he uh, he left the Oilers to go do uh, TNT. He was there. Yeah. But can I tell you what I think about that? Yeah. I think of these guys like it's they're pulled in so many directions. Do you have the time to to give yourself to that job? 100%? I think I think they were both ready. Yeah. They just needed to be asked. So maybe now it needs maybe now it's time. They just needed to be asked. Well, it's mess is sixty. That's like the average age for GMs yeah. around the league, I imagine. It's not like he's like I aged just, past it I or something. I just think about with all that knowledge and, and their impeccable reputations. Like yeah. how are they not running in, in a, team demand or, by a team or yeah. You know what? Or, or heavily probably, involved. Teams probably can't match the financial well, demands no, that the other thing too is, can pay. The other thing too is outside of ownership, everybody's intimidated by these guys. That's another thing too. Yeah, you imagine that you're in a room and mess stands up and loudly disagrees with you. It's like, well, I well, guess I'll just go cry in my car alone. Can you see that though? <laughs> yeah. Can you see a lot of them? Uh, yeah. No, it, it, he'd be a tough guy to stand up to maybe there is some intimidation factor there but or maybe it's not too late now that he's ready maybe it'll happen well not when they just signed million dollar deals in tv i think I... yeah well well you just got to beat the you gotta beat the dollar amount that's all i'm sure teams make the call you know they're like hey you know i'm sure there's teams that are interested uh, you know what, I, I think teams just don't even think that they would do, do it, it sometimes mm -hmm. well and and also like the role would have to be pretty high like oh. you're gonna hand a guy who's never been a gm a gm job like does he want to come in be the agm probably not well gretzky, whatever role. gretzky and edmonton in the last few years prior to leaving for, for for tv like did they really utilize him oh i'm sure not no of course not yeah so God. It would be so exciting we'll, as a fan we'll if Mark a, Messier took over your team. Like, you know, like yeah. that, a name like that or a Gretzky, just like that that name recognition alone so, along with the knowledge is huge. So if you're Wayne Gretzky and, you know, you've already got all the money in the world. Yeah, you've got a vineyard and you got, you know, God knows what other businesses. He's got, but he has that already and it's yeah. it's looked after. But, no, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think a lot of teams and even the league in general miss the boat on not – finding a place for these guys right all right let's take one more break hey eh, sammy we break, good break it up yep all that's, right that was awesome really yeah, th a really thrill. good interview and, and not by us by mark yeah <laughs> and i will say that i don't i never get sort of nervous calling people i never do like i don't even really think about it this is the first time we've been doing the show i was like oh my god i'm, I, call, I'm calling what? messier i'm a little embarrassed i called him mess why? I know it's embarrassing. Imagine he's like, uh, he's like, imagine he's like, you can't call me that. He's a fringe guy. No, you no, should be no. Calling I, Mister I, I cleared fringe. it. I cleared it. I said, listen, we got this Jason Bourne guy. I know, <laughs> I know you wouldn't know him if you ran him over with a Zamboni, but he, I'm trying to get him to, can it, can he call you mess? <laughs>
And uh, he yeah. said, let me think about it. Okay. And well, he's... pending, I guess. Uh, <laughs> approval <laughs> pending. All right. Can we call Jason uh, Bruff, Bruffy? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, let's find he's out. He's coming up next on Real Kipper and Born. So, JB, what did you get out of uh, Jim Benning's press conference today? Do you want to know the honest answer? Yeah. Someone's got to put that guy out of his misery. <laughs> he is not happy. <laughs> <laughs> not having fun. I just figured we'll ask somebody that actually lives in that market because that is one tough market when things aren't going well. So let's welcome in Jason Bruff, co-host of Halford and Bruff on Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. Is it as tough as I think it is in that city right now? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a frustrated city. Everyone's frustrated. And that was kind of the message from uh, Jim Benning today. Uh, he said the line, it's wearing on all of us uh, a few times. And Canucks fans were like, yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? So... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, uh, Jim's been in the job a long time now and, uh, he took over, uh, it's been a long time since, you know, that final year with Gillis and Torts together. Think of all the things that Torts has been through since he coached the Canucks. Jim's been in charge of the team since then. Uh, there's a lot happened. Trevor Linden's left the job. Um, you know, the thing that hasn't happened much is winning and Jim, but Jim's been on the job and he's has been able to survive a lot of um, uh, frustration from the market. And this season felt like uh, the Canucks put all the chips in and said, all right, fine. We recognize that we've, uh, you know, we haven't had some, haven't had some wins, but this time, but this time I think we got it guys. I think we got it. And, uh, and it's uh, obviously off to a terrible start, uh, just as bad as the start last season was. And, Last season, although I know it was a shortened season and it isn't a shortened season this season, it felt like the Canucks were out of the playoff race approximately 15 games into the season. And the record that the Canucks are going to have to attain in order to make the playoffs is, you know, the, the team just does not even look close to capable of, uh, of achieving that. Yeah. So what were your takeaways from that press conference? I follow a number of Vancouver people and uh, not happy in general. What, what were your takeaways from what he had to say? Was there any quote in particular message that uh, stood out for you? Not really born, you know, like I, I, I've seen a lot of Jim Benning press conferences and uh, you know, I did, I, I did suppose his Jim's energy was like ultra low today. Um, normally, I mean, he's never going to be a, a the type of public speaker that rouses you to a standing ovation or anything mm -hmm. at the end. But he was asked at one point what his message to the fans would be. And it was almost like he could barely say, you know, we're going to keep trying and uh, we're going to try and keep getting better. And, and then, you know, it was almost like he had to convince himself to say, try and make the playoffs. And it was, you know, I tweeted out after, I was like, did anyone feel inspired? And, you know, no one felt inspired. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, I, I, so I went to the game last night for, and it was my first time at Rogers arena, actually, since the, since the pandemic, I, I've got a morning radio show, so I don't go to the games uh, as much as I used to, but I felt last night I wanted to be in the rank just to see what the crowd reaction was. And the crowd was edgy. It, it wasn't as bad as it could have been because it was, 
it was a pretty close game for, for most of the game. There were a few chants of, you know, fire Benning and sell the team, but they never really got, um, got going because the game was so close and it was actually like kind of an entertaining game, low bar this season for entertainment, but it was kind of entertaining. But afterwards, you know, they, they brought out the players, uh, Connor Garland and Tucker Pullman and Quinn Hughes and, the guys just look so miserable and last season was miserable and you just wonder and my co-host Mike Alford and I talk about this when was the last time it was fun to be a Vancouver Canuck and I think it was all the way back in in the Edmonton bubble so it's been a while so does this uh, meeting between Benning and Aquilini the owner uh, kind of put water on this thing for the time being or is this just uh uh, the inevitable that this will just uh, keep it going and, and there there won't be satisfaction until somebody is fired. Well, and I, and I don't even know if, if that'll be satisfaction. If they if they fire Travis Green, there's still going to be a very large, large contingent of, uh, of an angle. Oh, did we lose Bruff? I don't know. Let's assume we did because I don't hear him. Does anyone else hear him or am I, I crazy? I lost him. All right. Think it was Benning that pulled the plug? <laughs> the Vancouver media. Travis Green. All over it. Yeah. It doesn't... What I think is apparent, too, in that press conference is that between Benning and Travis Green, there doesn't... There seems to be a, a, a big disconnect. Mm-hmm. I don't get... And did, uh, was, did he not refer to... Uh, Travis's situation being in the hands of, of ownership. That's which probably is really the, the curi- most curious part for me is, you know, they're asked directly, you know, looking for a vote of confidence for Travis Green. And, and Benning was like, oh, I'm not going to think about that or I'm not going to worry about that. That's an ownership decision. And it's like, wait. Well, that's not the way we understand the pecking order. <laughs> yeah. Don't you manage things generally? Isn't that your literal title? The general manager? So, uh, yeah, apparently they have... He has uh, outsourced that responsibility to the Aquilinis about the uh, the head coaching. And actually, I don't know, Bruff, Bruff did you were you uh, listening to us at all there? No, I I, uh, I didn't hear you. I, I disappeared like the Canucks penalty killing. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Very nice. Very well played. We were we were yeah, just. What? Sorry, we were just ahead, talking boy. about um, the him not giving Green like a vote of confidence, but saying he like outsourced the decision to the Aquilinis. I've never seen a GM just sort of pass the buck like that. What's the deal there? Oh, I've seen a GM pass the buck. <laughs> I've seen it a lot from <laughs> yeah, this organization. Fair enough. Guys, like I, I, I'm trying to. I know I'm talking to a, a, a Toronto uh, audience mostly here, so I was, I was trying to remember some kind of lease related stories, what it's like to, um, to cover the Canucks right now. Do you remember the, I guess it's probably like the 2014, 15 season when, when Randy Carlisle was still behind the bench. Now the difference is, I guess Shanahan might've been named president by then. I'm just a little confused by the timing, but I remember when the Leafs before Mike Babcock was hired the year before, um, I would, I would like rush to watch Leafs games because I wanted to see what kind of disaster they would find themselves in. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, and I yes, remember, I do. And it, so, I know so, very so well. I, yeah, so I'm, so I'm in, I'm in Vancouver. So uh, the games would start at four o'clock here 
And I'd be like, you know, oh, I got it. Like, even if it was, you know, Toronto and Florida or something, I, I'd be like, I want to see this because I want to see how they are going to lose and in what way they're going to lose and at what point will enough become enough for this organization. That's where we're at right now with the Canucks because everyone is just so, so fed up with this. And I think it's just going to take, it feels like at this point, and and who knows, sports is crazy. Maybe they come back and they put together some wins, but it feels like it's going to take like a massive reorganization kind of like the Leafs did right they brought in Shanahan and Shanahan said all right I'm gonna look at things for a year and then he looked at things for a year and he was like yeah everything has to change right yeah but the Canucks haven't even got to the point where they brought in to look at look brought in anyone to look at it but the um, but the big difference there was he had carte blanche to just house clean completely and it was to build up for Austin Matthews, and you can't do that now with the likes of your young talent like Hughes and Pedersen already. And, you know, you, you wanted a, a little bit of a, a Leaf Canuck kind of comparison. Like, we, we, we know what this crowd does to a guy like Mitch Marner when he's not playing well and, and making 10.9. Is, is, is Hughes and Pedersen feeling it right now, coming off now just recent huge contracts Hughes for the most part has been fine he he took a bad penalty last night but that was that was not a trend or anything uh he's he's been the least of the Canucks worries for the most part Pedersen I actually wanted to talk to you guys about this because I want to ask you guys what it was like to watch William Nylander play mm-hmm. after he had his contract negotiation that had lasted into the season and then he came so he came back late and he wasn't very good, but fortunately for the Leafs, they still had, you know, other players. I have never, I've never seen in Vancouver and I'm struggling to think of a player in the NHL. I've seen uh, a young player. I've never seen a player struggle like this after coming into the league. So well, like Pedersen to me for a couple of years, I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, my God, like this is what the Canucks need. This, kind of elite number one center type of player that, I mean, we were drawing comparisons to, he's drawing comparisons to Datsu, oh, to, yeah. to Gretzky. And, and maybe it was silly to do that. I don't know. It was excitement, but the guy was good. And now I'm watching him and I just have no idea what's happened to his game. And, and we had a poll question this morning on our show is, you know, is he rusty because he hasn't played much hockey in the last year? Is he still injured? Does he need a new coach? Did we overhype them? And everyone was voting for different options because no one has any idea what's going on with this guy. And if I was Travis Green, I'd be pulling my hair out because as much as the PK is a major problem, and it is a major problem, equally big is the fact that Pedersen doesn't look like himself. Besser doesn't look like himself. Horvat hasn't played particularly well. So it is so many issues for this team right now. I will just talk myself in circles talking about it. Well, those are valid points. And I agree with you that he was can't miss in those first couple of years. Dynamite. And it it is hard to believe that that is the same player. And I don't know where you start. Today's world. What was it like when Nylander? 
what was it like with Nylander? Like, I, I, was it the same? No, or it's, it's not. not, as bad? not no, 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 no. Nylander would never have even come close to that type of hype. Yeah, no one believed Nylander was what I think a lot of us think Pedersen's ceiling was. Is that fair? Right. But how far did he fall off, though? He was. He, he wasn't back, very like, good. He wasn't very good. He was out of shape. He was really. Uh, yeah. He, he was out of shape, and I, I don't think yeah. it ever really recovered for him. He but looked, he looked like instead of Sudafed, he was playing on Nyquil. But does that help? <laughs> but the Canucks are hoping that's it. You know, the Canucks are hoping that it because because he because he's bounced back. I I am just completely flummoxed, and and people say things like, "Well, is it the coach?" And I'll be like, "I don't know." Like it seems, I, yeah. I have no idea. I don't think anybody ever uh, ever at one. Uh, one time thought Nylander was a centerpiece to a franchise or a guy mm-hmm. that you can build a team. But did you He's ever, Kipper, yourself ex- have a season where you were like, why am I so bad? Like where you couldn't explain <laughs> ah, it? Listen, you're asking the wrong guy who played the wrong <laughs> role. Okay. Like, yeah. how, how can you really screw up dump and chase? <laughs> Seriously. And I cannot well, get this thing. Oh, I'm, having it a, up. I'm having a bad dump and chase year. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, he's right. Pedersen is is a franchise type of player yeah. that doesn't look anything but, you know, an average player right now just fitting in. I I, I really would start between the ears and that's where yeah. they need to – They whoever's in that organization, whether it's a, a coach, a general manager, an owner, a shrink, whoever it is, you, you got you to gotta sit down and, and really connect with this guy yeah. to figure out what he's thinking, his mindset, his process, all of it. D- does he even look like he's having fun coming to the rink? You know, there was, there was a stretch this season we, we, we questioned – how much fun Mitch Marner was having, who always exerted joy, smile, uh, yeah. da- uh, singing a song in between uh, uh, whistles. And I think he found it back. He, he seems like his old self again. But, you know, wh- where's, where's Petey in all of this? He looks miserable like the rest of the team. And, and, you know, I said it earlier, I don't know the last time it looked like it was it was fun to be a Vancouver Canuck. And one of the things we were talking about the show on the show this morning is kind of reiterating the fact that the Canucks had some guys asking out last season. And I, and I know they were new to the team, but Braden Holtby uh, made a quip the other day, his one year in Vancouver felt like four years. Um, <laughs> Nate, Nate Schmidt, who is one of like the most happy go lucky guys I've ever seen. He chose Winnipeg over staying <laughs> In Vancouver, I Alex heard Edler. the tone there. <laughs> oh, okay, no, no, I didn't mean to. Didn't mean to. <laughs> um, uh, Alex Edler, who refused to leave Vancouver, we had we would have an annual. Will Alex Edler waive his no trade clause when the Canucks were out of the playoffs? And the answer was always like, "Well, he wants to retire a Canuck." Then all of a sudden, he signs with the Kings, right? So you add all that up. And what, a, what the conclusion is, is last season was absolutely a miserable experience for the team. They lost a lot. They had the COVID outbreak. It was, just a, it was just a bad experience. And the hope was that the Canucks would be able to flush that season and get back to the joy that they found playing hockey together in the bubble in Edmonton. And ownership bet that the team was more, the core was more the, the bubble team and less last season and it looks right now that they bet wrong what's crazy too is like 
when you looked at that core and you're like, ah, they just need more pieces around it. The guys that Vancouver's brought in, Connor Garland, I know Hoaglander is a young guy. Like, he's been pretty good. Ekman Larson's been pretty good, I think. Like, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, the guys yeah. they've brought in have actually been decent so far, right? It's funny, like, my terrible analysis at the beginning of the season because hockey's tough to predict sometimes, but I called Ekman Larson the linchpin of the group. Because <laughs> I, I was thinking, I was like, hey, if this guy's bad, then the Canucks don't have enough good defensemen. But if he's good... Then you've got him on one pair, Hughes on another pair. Then you've got two pairs. I generally think if you've got two pairs that you feel good about, then you can generally hide the third pair and you're you're fine on the back end. Um, What I didn't see was Pedersen being like this, Besser being like this, um, and not having that elite line that they have with JT Miller, Pedersen, and Besser. It was kind of like, that that was the given. We were like, yeah, 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 they'll be fine. But what about the other guys? Um, and it's that's been the major problem, along with the penalty kill, which was potentially problematic, but not to this extent. Would empty seats be the the biggest push here for a, a market that uh, wants something done? Yeah, I mean, it, it would for sure. And I and I do think that. I do think that all the online criticism and and all the uh, all the things being written and, and said about them, you know, last season there was a banner that flew. Um, some fans put their money together and flew a banner that said "Fire Benning," and I know it was a very it was a very very sensitive topic within the within the organization. A little bit embarrassing, but. Francesco Aquilini, the owner, stuck with Jim Benning, you know, and he said, I, I believe in Jim Benning. And, and a lot of this, too, I think might be Francesco Aquilini being involved in some of these decisions. So if you're criticizing Jim Benning, in some ways you're criticizing him. So it's, it's a pickle. It's a pickle, guys. <laughs> a they've got themselves, they've got themselves in quite a pickle. Well, we'll see where that, that pickle goes this weekend. Uh, Jason, yeah. really appreciate your time. No worries, boys. Have fun. Thanks, All right, Bruff. Jason Bruff. All right. Co-host of Halford and Bruff on Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. I didn't call him Bruffy. So, Sammy, are you on the phone? You're saying goodbye to him? Uh, yeah, who, I just said bye. What market is sadder? Vancouver's with their situation or uh, the Blue Jay fans oh. uh, listening to Rob Ray? <laughs> Should I say ex-Blue Jay <laughs> He's he gone. <laughs> Huge celebration, Cy Young Award, and oh, like everybody was so sad. I'm watching them on Tim and Friends, and Ken wanted to cry. Tim wanted to cry. <laughs> it's like, how do you celebrate a guy who's walking out the door? He's not coming back, is he? Well, it's not confirmed that he's walking out the door. I, I heard Jeff Blair on Smith & Jones, a little plug for another show on our station. I heard him talking about how the, the Jays won't be outspent on Robbie Ray, so maybe it's about it's about personal choice. Well, but he should have showed a little bit more love for the boys I know. all season Kipper and I were long. talking about it. There was a lot of, yeah, Trump saw- is great, but... <laughs> I saw nothing in his press conference that said, I love the possibilities or, you know, uh, we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to play the process out, but the Jays are very much in it. And I loved it there. And 
Nothing. Can I can I get a can I get a Jay's take in here quickly? Oh, of course. Is, is it going to be like eleven minutes, like no. your soccer one? No. That, oh, you mean thirty <laughs> seconds? No. Okay. I I would much prefer them to spend the money on Barrios and Ray. I think Ray's way less of a sure thing on a big ticket, and I won't be completely heartbroken to see him go. Semyon or Ray? Much prefer Semyon. Yeah. Semyon is amazing. I think Ray had a great yeah. year, earned his money, but I'd be really afraid to give that guy a huge dollar. I dollars. wanted Verlander here on a short-term deal. Yeah. I don't think that uh, as he oh he signed with Houston. Didn't yeah, he, he signed yeah. with Houston. That means George Springer's a lousy recruiter. <laughs> lousy. George, what are you doing for your money, George? Bad job. Wow, we're just getting into the J stakes here. I love it. I'm fired up. All I mean, right. I'm fired up about Barrios. I, I really am. All right, so. let's let's kind of bring it back to Vancouver. So uh yes. so who is sadder? Vancouver. Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver. Blue Jay fans. Vancouver, no question. Although Vancouver sad might not be the word. They're always like pre anarchy. I don't know. You know they just, just they just seem upset. At all times, about well, they everything. they should be. You know, like, it's been bad. It's been, they haven't been particularly close in either direction. You know, I understand Are one. they harder on Canucks as Leaf Nation here? I think yes. I think they're harder. I think if they had our volume, they would be a, a more difficult fan base to corral. What I've gathered from afar is that they're maybe a little harder on the front office and coaching and the ownership situation because it's such a different sort of situation there with it being one guy, with it being the Aquilinis or whatever. I think it's more of like an, an easier one-person target, and they kind of go to ownership management more than the players. I think they're more of apologists for the players than they are here. Like, when it goes bad, the whole world turns on Marner, or the whole world turns on whoever. Yeah. But no. I, I like, think where's Larry Tannenbaum? Well, yeah, I think that it's much. It, it's a different yeah. sort of angle. It, it, yeah. You're absolutely right. It, it's a different vibe because the Leafs have ended up over the course. I'm talking of 50 plus years, uh, uh, the butt of a joke, but not necessarily Vancouver. So it's more localized. It's more centralized. But as far as the Leafs have concerned, they've they've they have turned into the punchline over the years, and. You know, losing to Boston like the way they have in the past or losing to Montreal has just poured gasoline on the yeah. on the butt of the joke. I think a lot of people outside Leafs Nation were very concerned about this Leafs core and what could be and how the joke would, was going to be over. Yeah. Mm. And then the, the, just last, kept coming. the last few years, but, but, the punchlines... But part yuck, of the, yuck, still open. Yeah. <laughs> part of that, 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 that target on the Leafs from a, a wide range of fans is... They sit at the top of the mountain. When it comes to the cash, the attention, mm -hmm. whatever the case is, they are at the very top. They are, uh, when it comes to generating revenue, and there is a, that alone creates a jealousy. Maybe that's it with Vancouver, where oh, yeah. if it doesn't go little well, brother, they just kind of disappear a little bit, right? Like they're just, you know, you're going to be not talked about until you're good again. And well, we we'll did, get back I mean, we talked then. about it today. We had them on. Well, that's because they're all the way <laughs> the other way. Anyone who's all the way in one direction gets chatted about. You notice the Minnesota Wild don't come up much. Oh, you know what? They're doing well this year. It was a bad example. But you know what I mean. Middle of the pack teams don't no, have no, it's, it's a big story. Yeah. What's going on out west? And another big story, which we teed up, JB, at the, the beginning of the show, was uh, Connor McDavid. And we talked with Mess a little bit about John Tortorella. And this stems back to another hot-button topic, uh, officiating and how the game's called and whether or not... Connor deserves more of a, the benefit of the doubt. He he answered that today, didn't he, JB? He did. Let's have it. Connor, sorry you've been asked this already in the last day or so, but a lot of talk about your skill and the ice time you log, but how few penalties that you attract from your play. And I'm wondering, do you feel deserving of, of more calls your way, the style in which you play? 
uh, I guess I just got to shut up about this. But oh. uh, um, so uh, you know, yeah, it's not. Uh, yeah, I'll leave it. Sure. It's almost as if. He needed like the applause sign or something, you know. After he said <laughs> they should have given him some it reaction. It was just way too quiet. Yeah. Something. You hear a like, siren in the background. Yeah, that's because he's body bag Tortorella. <laughs> must have been like a few people that could chuckle for him. I thought it was funny. Yeah, and it was great. Great line. You know uh, what killed un- me though? Unless he was like really pissed. Well, well maybe that. Was I it. watched. Like, I mean, it's hard an audio medium, right? To to sort of convey his feelings. But watching it, I don't think he was really laughing about it. No like he, there, eh? he really does seem pissed off about it. And listen, from Connor's perspective, like he probably doesn't think that he's whining about it. He probably doesn't think he needs to shut up about it. He probably thinks he needs to talk more about it. And there's a guy that's out of the league in media saying that who's, you know, what he is what he is, torts. Yeah. I would be pissed off too. And he was pissed in that, in that press conference. You can say that he was joking around, but I don't think he was. I think he's pretty upset. I, I wish Connor was above that. Like I don't like. I wish he was like. I don't care what that guy's got to say about it. I also think the it's a good what, point. What bothered me is that he said, "I guess I should shut up about this," and then he kind of wants to shut up about it. He's like, he wants to like prove a point. Like you know what? Then I'm not going to talk about it if, if you don't want me to talk about it. I go ahead to hell with that. Go ahead and say what you want to say. Well, I just love how fiery McDavid has become. Like I don't. He started Listen, like I do too. I mean, in his rookie, he's always had that fire. Like you look back to junior, he's the type of guy that. But he's really coming into his own as this sort Ornery. of like fiery leader kind of guy, paired with the best skill set I've ever seen, is a pretty good mix. The 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 unfortunate part in all of this, and I think it's a fantastic topic of conversation. Very well. And certainly hot because the recent non-calls on Connor McDavid. But what really put this thing over the top are two words. Shut up. You think that took away from a good point? I think it really has. Completely agree, Kipper. But I still don't think it's a good point. No, it's horrible. It's (laughs) it's bad bedside manners. But it came from John Tortorella, and Uh, that that guy's been missing, you know, manners for a long time. The way he's treated his players, (laughs) right? Guess that's what I'm saying, Brooksy. So so once once Connor goes into the shut up mode, it it takes away from the actual meat of the conversation. And for those of you listening to our show right now, and if you didn't catch Mark Messier earlier, please download it, get the podcast. Rate and review Mark Messier. If Rate you give him review. less than five, he's coming to your house. <laughs> there, there you go. But <laughs> I th- know that'll encourage it. I thought, guys, he he nailed it. Yeah. And he said, you know, I we mentioned the Tim Peel comment, but Mark understands that every game's like a a snowflake man there's no two the same there's so many different layers and and storylines that may be even coming into two teams playing before puck drop and those factors have to come in why can this guy not be allowed to speak up when he's the best player on the rink going faster than everyone having the puck more than everyone why can't he say hey have you guys noticed no one's calling a damn penalty when i have the hockey puck nobody's saying that he can't say anything isn't that literally what shut up means that's well that's what torts is saying that but we're not we're no nobody is nobody is torts is an idiot for saying that <laughs> for that phrase yes. for that yes. phrase yeah i mean it's disrespectful he's the best player on the planet yeah so that that's why the tone is way off right okay, now. Okay, so you're saying he can speak up on it, but I've we got should no play problem. through it. I've got no yeah. uh, no problem, but at the end of the day, we're not we're not changing the rule book for you, Connor. Gotcha. 
That's all. Yeah. And again, somehow, some way, a lot of, of our best players on the planet in each generation found a way to still shine and overcome, and he will too. Mm-hmm. So, okay, uh, he, he doesn't get a few calls against him. And instead of scoring 200 points, he gets 170 points. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, but focus on winning the, your cups, buddy. No one's going to care at the end of it. Yeah. Nobody. You know, you know what's funny, just, though, is just like... win your cup. Do you remember him saying much about this? Mm. Like, I remember, I know there was some commentary, in, but I don't Here, remember a ton. Here's what it is. What it always happens... And when the in the era we live in with social media and how we can broadcast everything, he probably said one thing or two things yeah. that you can remember, and then they get replayed and they they, they come around and Torres probably saw it while he's looking on his flip phone. He was looking at something <laughs> on his phone, <laughs> and, and it came up. And he's like, "That guy needs to shut up." Roll and, a potato. And, yeah. and then there's the pile on too on social media where you know it just feels like more and more people are rallying around, and the game's got to change, and just call the rules, the rules. And I mean, there's a it seems like there's a million people now demanding mm-hmm. that the rule book is changed now or you call it every time by the book. And it's like, good luck with that. Yeah. Like, it is impossible to sit there and definitively say that's a trip and that's not and everybody should be on the same page. Yeah. It's like, at the end of the day, there's a judge and he ultimately will decide Human what judges. is a trip and what is not. And the, the, the difference between maybe a guy pulling your feet from underneath you or, or coincidental contact mm-hmm. or uh, like a guy... guessing hey, it intent half a, the time. A, a, a guy with bad balance going down opposed to a strong well, guy. You know what? Like Freddie this- Goche drew a ton of penalties because he couldn't skate. I actually, I need to look up his uh, per 60 rate of penalties drawn because this guy, he couldn't see. He got hauled down I was, all the time in the AHL and was like... I was pretty good at drawing penalties. And I can tell you, I could, <laughs> I could, I could, yeah. I could mask. I could, I was really good. Yeah. Oh, it's an art. There's, and, a, there's a real art to it. And it is. Yeah. And that's a split-second decision, too. Like, we've got analysts now that get, like, they can look at it 10 times before they decide if it's a penalty or not. How about the guy that's got to yeah. do it in a split second when guys are flying around 25 miles an hour and you're getting blocked and you've 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 missed a certain angle and now you 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 got to make the split deci- decision on whether or not I'm going to guess right or wrong. Well, and how many times you've been in with a couple of hockey guys? I mean, you, me, and Sammy have done it. Looked at the same play and gone, "That's not that bad," or "That's terrible." You know, like and disagree with something on replay. You should see me with the remote. I try to pause and oh, I, 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 want, yeah. I want that. I want that that last frame and yeah. I can't get it and then I have to rewind all over again and way. I miss it again and now I'm like 10 minutes <laughs> trying to freeze one spot on the remote Rogers if you're listening to me give me another give me one more give just frame pause by frame. just one more frame by frame and I'm all set to be honest that's a big portion of my evening too going what happened there let me see that again. oh damn it I gotta do so oh, imagine man, these guys back. now I know and I know. and yet we want to rip on them you know, it may be the one concern I do have official-wise is what uh, Tim Peel talked about with, like, a lot of guys are retiring and there ain't a whole lot of people lining up to take the positions. Like, the uh, there's more games with more teams and less officials and the quality of that pool's getting thinner and the game's getting faster. 
if don't expect the officiating to get better. We're yeah. not fixing this unless you're going to start paying officials a million bucks a year, in which case I got to get my skates out of my shed. But, you know, like it's uh, it's not going to get better. So while I'm uh, – I have no problem giving you my uh, Rob Ray take on whether or not he'll be back next year. Uh, I thought Mark Messier again brought an excellent point up about a, a, an umpire calling balls and strikes. And I think Toronto doesn't you get know, the calls. I, I don't, I, well, no, I'm just saying, though, I'm, I don't watch probably as much baseball as our boy Sammy here, but mm-hmm. are they scrutinized now more than ever? Yes. There you go. It's – yes. And, well, just go right? to the damn but, robots but I think, already. I think in baseball, it's a different – it's a completely different thing because there is a potential solution – Literally on every broadcast across the major leagues of baseball, there's this square right. that like is the it's the strike zone. So you look at this and it's like, well, you know, you could have a buzzer in the guy's ear. You could still do his little point if it's a strike. Like you could do the whole thing. There's a solution there. But with hockey, there's no solution. It's all it's the most you know. Are you, are you turning uh, an umpire in Major League Baseball into a 1970s 98 year old NHL judge? Yes, old judge. <laughs> is that what you're doing? No, I, listen. I think. They need help. The game has changed to baseball, too. These guys are, what are these guys? They're in their 60s behind the dish trying to figure out if Robbie Ray's 95-mile-an-hour, you know, cutter hit the corner of the dish. It's hard. It's really hard. They need help. But they've been, like the NHL, they've they've given them ample help. I love the fact that you can look at uh, uh, the last frame on a play at second base or or whether or not the ball actually is in the guy's glove before he touches the bag. They have that now. Mm -hmm. Strikes and balls. Balls and strikes. strikes Yeah, but they've really fixed all, like, I mean, we're talking baseball here, but they've really fixed all the other aspects of of the of the officiating of it like the first base plays they get right most of the time the home plate stuff they get right most of the time like they really have figured that part out but it's the balls and strikes and i don't know what the balls and strikes equivalent is in, in hockey i guess it's tripping i don't know i don't know what no. it is that's but the thing hockey's in it's an s show it's just a it's- completely <laughs> different it's so much harder it's so much harder because there's so much uh subjective stuff in it like you were talking about we're talking remember like with the goal reviews with a with like goaltender interference, what one guy thinks is goaltender interference, somebody else thinks is not goaltender interference. It's all in the high, eye of the beholder. It's a subjective thing. It's so hard to figure out. Calls. Who would be a ref? It's insane. Deal. Fans debating whether or not they got a call for or against your team has been part of our fabric. It's been part of our it's actually story. uniting for the home crowd sometimes. It right? brings them together. You know, and hating the guy. I, I, I would we hate need the name bar again. I though. would hate to lose that element. I just there's no way to do it in hockey. You can't lose that element. The only thing you do is just put more of these how guys many, in the rink and that's a terrible idea. How many Stanley Cups in our history have we looked back and said that team didn't win because we got screwed by the officials. I got one for you. Oh, don't be a Leafs team. Brett Hall in the crease. Brett Hall was in the crease. I got. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. It's a moment. So, sure. so you give me one in a hundred. That's years, all I got. Yeah. Right. That's all, off the top of my brain. That's all I can. Oh, maybe they didn't win the cup, listen, but the call on Pavelski hey, was brutal too. And can I tell you one thing? That that's that's not against the officials. That's against the fact that everybody raced out on yeah. the ice and they, they couldn't the pull cup it back. Goal. Exactly. They couldn't pull it back. Yeah. You know, that's that's more on NHL head office than I would put that on the officials. God, imagine if they had it, it would be the biggest, biggest Oh my I god. Mean, but he was clearly I in the crease. Loved, yeah, he was. I would have been I would have loved to be the one guy going, 
Uh, you get off the ice. 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 Your you team get off. I would, goalie I, after the Canadian soccer match. I don't, just being like, I don't care if I would have needed three hours. I would have enjoyed all three hours to say, get the off the ice. Okay. Uh, Thank you for believing that today. Yeah. yeah good stuff. Uh, um, yeah. No, it's a, uh, it is a very, there's no solution. That's all. That's the, just the, the best world is where we're never talking about the rest. You know, we're never going to come in here and be like, boy. Did you? Was that 60, well 65 in black and white stripes was on fire last night. Like, you, let's make an effort to do that this year. Okay. Let's find a game where you go, you know what? I thought that was really well officiated. Great. Let's do it tonight. Let's uh, make sure it's good tonight. Okay, Refies, if you're yeah. listening to our show, make sure it's good tonight because we're going to talk about so, it tomorrow. The other day I was just joking around about how uh, they should keep uh, all the analytics on officials, and you told me there is. Real uh, deal. What's it called again? Scouting the refs. Scouting com. the refs. I was actually looking. like They have it sorted by you know the amount of minors a guy calls on average, the amount he calls on the home team or the away team, and there are some guys who are more likely to make calls on the away team. So do you, do you have a name for us who calls the most penalties in, in a game? Uh, yeah, Steve Kazari. Steve Kazari is number one. He calls the most. Okay, so Sammy, you're gonna have to tell us every official of starting for Leaf games oh, uh, for the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not nerding up the show that much. Well, I, was I promise say, you, there's a lot of like heat on analytics and hockey, and like ah, you're nerding up the game. Baseball is the sport. That oh, is number just... one, it's been ruined by nerds. <laughs> the nerds have ruined. I baseball. have. I, listen, it, it's great. I. Since working with you, you have embraced it. Uh, not no easy on em- the embrace. Okay, you have <laughs> not rejected I'm, it. If not, I've not, I've not hit, hit you. No. Well, you notice I sit a good mic distance away. <laughs> so a hockey stick like that, the way. That's a good sign. That's true. We're making progress, Kipper. We are making a ton of progress. Sammy, good stuff. Good baseball stuff today. I liked it. Thank you. I Leafs love baseball. Rangers. Derek, thanks for today, pal. Not JB, you. scores tonight, Kipper. Matthews gets his return. I, I, I think the Leafs are in good shape here. Yeah. I got them at uh, 5-2. I'm going to say it's a lot of goals tonight. Give me, I, yeah. We talked up the goalies. Give me 4-3 Leafs. 3-2 Leafs regulation. All right. It's a clean sweep. Great day today from Gord Stellick, Mark Messier. We had Jason uh, from 650 in Vancouver. Uh, Bruff, Bruffy. I can't call him Bruffy. Can you can you call him and ask will, him if I'll I can get call permission. him Bruffy? <laughs> I'll apply for permission. Thanks for joining us. We'll hear and see you tomorrow.